Coming up on the Dilabram All Rounder podcast, episode nine, the Sri Lankan Triumph, where we continue our deep dive and exploration into the 1996 World Cup and cap it off with Sri Lanka obviously winning. As I mentioned, Virash and I, we started recording and we realized we couldn't do justice within an hour. So we did dedicated two episodes to this and I hope you really enjoy it. As you know, the first episode was all about the context, what was happening in the subcontinent, what was happening in the world. And we looked at the rise and fall of some of these great cricketing nations as they as I came into the World Cup. Well, this episode is all about supporting and celebrating the stars of the World Cup. The Aravinda De Silvas, the Ranatungas, the Tendulkas, the Mark Wars, and everyone in between. We kick right off with our continuation of the top five moments, and then we get into some of our favorite segments and categories, including my new segment, The Oscars, Would You Make a Movie About It? And if so, who's starring in it? I had a lot of fun in this 1996 Cricket World Cup with Virash, and I've got some other exciting content coming up, including basketball and tennis. Look out for it. Arjuna, congratulations on a magnificent victory. Thanks a lot, Ian. I think the boys played really well right throughout the tournament. You, uh, you had it in mind uh, right from the start. You said all along that you wanted to have another crack at Australia. You've got your way and uh, uh, you guys fought very hard. I thought the boys played uh, really well. I think I should thank uh, the Pakistan public. I think they were really behind us right throughout the game. And uh, I should thank Asa and uh, Wasim to they are the ones who brought the side to Colombo when we were in trouble. And thanks a lot, Vasim and Asa. And uh, we are very grateful to you. And thanks a lot. Back in Sri Lanka, I think everyone contributed a lot. Thanks a lot. Top five moments, Virash. We're going to go in reverse order, get a bit of build-up into our favourite moment of the series or the tournament. Number five, it was the partnership and pretty much the semi-final match between Australia and the West Indies. And I thought the partnership between Michael Bevan and Stuart Law in that semi-final saved Australia, who were at one stage four for 15 against the West Indies yeah. and was the reason they won that semi-final. No, it was a great, that was a great game. Are you, are you going to go through the, uh, the, the five or can we, can we just chat about I want to chat that? through this, yeah. Yeah, look, pretty much for context, um, I'll give you a bit of context to this, right? Like the Windies used to whip Australia for fun from pretty much from like, 83 84 up until like the early 90s it was just it was just they just hit they just beat them for fun um and australia won as dillip said earlier like in during the 95 tour of the caribbean and richie richardson who's the west indies captain actually called that australian team the worst one of the worst australian teams ever to tour the west indies even though the west indies <laughs> lost so i don't know i don't know where that was coming from richie um but anyway um and then in 96 like world cup 15 for four everyone's like it's happening again it's ambrose and walsh they've 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 taken out the top order ian bishop bishop was a good ball underrated underrated and a good commentator you know a reasonable reasonable man he comes it comes across a reasonable person um and then stewie law who's you know i didn't even know like i knew he made runs that game but i didn't realize he made 72 
Yeah. Um, and then Michael Bevan was the finisher. Like before, sorry to all those Indian fans. Out there. I love, love him. I love MS Dhoni. I love MS Dhoni. But he was the, he was the real finisher before MS. Yep. Um, like he, he gave, he, I guess the finisher tag came about because of his presence in one day cricket and how often he used to finish games for Australia. So yeah, that partnership was great. But for me, it was more like Warney, like Warney bowling. Because even though they put that partnership on, 200 never should have been enough. Like the West Indies should have chased that down. Like all Stuart Law and Michael Bevan did was, okay, we made a ga- we've made a game of it, boys. Like we're a chance. And then the West Indies are like 165 for two. You're like, oh, <laughs> come on, bro. Like this game over, right? And then think about it, 165 for two. Chasing 208. Chasing 208. <laughs> and they like, I think a park cricket team would feel confident <laughs> that they could chase that down. Look, uh, I played for um, the, the Radomir Rens. <laughs> I played in a side where we once lost six for none. We were we were chasing two hundred and twenty. We were two hundred and ten for four. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I don't know if we can say a park team would have chased yeah, it down. Maybe, maybe some park teams. But, Fair comment. Um, like, and then Warney takes like Warney does Warney stuff and takes four wickets and. Mark Taylor captains, yeah, and this goes back to Mark Taylor, he's such a good captain, um, keeps the field up. He realizes that we can't win uh, restricting runs, like we just got to take wickets. Goes to his best bowler, Shane Warne, even though it's a risk to bowl a spinner at that time, the, the game could easily, could end very quickly. You know, Warney bowls a couple of drag downs, that's pretty much the game. He backs his number one bowler. He delivers for him and Australia win a game they never should have won. And it actually starts a bit of an era where Australia start to gain this aura of invincibility. Where mm. I know they lost the final. I get that. I get that. But it's kind of like one of those games where you're like, you should, you just can never doubt Australia. Like you can never doubt them. They're never out of it. Um, I think about the '99 World Cup as well. But which is just another another great tournament. But um, yeah, for me, it was warning. For me, that that is 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 the main kind of highlight out of that game because Australia never should have won, and and Warney delivered them the win. Warney was at my number two, so I've got five. <laughs> so we've we've addressed five and two. Okay, but I'm happy we did. Warney, this was, and I want to go back to that point which you said catalyst for this aura that Australia created. Yeah, I agree. I think '96 was the start. Yeah, of that is a start. I think where. I know Taylor was a skipper, but you st- that Australian team had the hallmarks of the team that was going to dominate world cricket for a while. It was a stunning result if you're a West Indies fan. This was probably their last World Cup where they had a team that was capable of perhaps winning. Yeah, maybe. They had a great... Mm. I mean, you had Walsh and Ambrose opening the mm. bowling and, uh, and Ian Bishop. Ian Bishop, maybe one day, I hope there's a podcast that shouts him out, gives him an hour <laughs> because... Bishop was a bloody good bowler he's a good on bowler. his day. He's a good, he's a, and he was... Um, Injuries killed him. Yeah. Injury, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. it killed him. But if uh, there's a rewatchables I want to do, which is the 92-93 West Indies Australia series where w- West Indies win that series. But Ian Bishop was fantastic. And but, that's why yeah. I remember him. But you know the West Indies, the thing is, the great thing about the Windies is they didn't have any good spinners. No, and there was Carl Hooper. Yeah, bro. Carl was bowling. Yeah, actually, Carl was not bad. I don't Harper know. He, was that Harper? No, no, Roger Harper was there. Yeah. I, I can't remember if he was in the in like the main <laughs> playing eleven, but he was a really good fielder, Roger Harper as well. But yes, Carl was. Carl's like the coolest guy out. He lives in Adelaide now, apparently. Um, Everyone's anyway, living in Australia, mate. Australia's a great country. Why would you come on? Like, Agree, hundred um, percent. Um, but. Uh, where was I going with this? Yeah, but the fact that the Windies were able to be competitive in the subcontinent without 
a full time, like without like a proper spinner is very commendable. Yes. Like, like, and I mean, I, I guess they never, they never won the world cup in the subcontinent, but you know, even when they like during their great, like their, their great period from 1980 to I guess early 95, they never had a great spinner. Cause Lance Gibbs was probably their best spinner who was kind of before that period, True. but they still like won and drew test series in the subcontinent. Yeah. Like India and Pakistan couldn't beat them. No. Um, anyway, sorry. Just shows how strong they were. Oh, it's a great sight. It's yeah. Phenomenal. Number four, I had the quarterfinal between New Zealand and Australia. And the reason I had it there, it was actually a great game. New Zealand uh, batted first. They batted very well. They actually scored, I think it was two, around 280. They got 286. 286, I think. Chris Harris got 130, I think. Is the highest score for yeah, Chris Harris. Yeah, yeah. Chris, uh, his middle name is Zinzan. Yeah, great middle name. <laughs> Chris Zinzan Harris. Um, yeah. But that game, it is emblematic of New Zealand cricket in general. They put up a very competitive first innings, mm. which in most of the time you're going to win with that score. Oh, in 1996, you pretty much, you, you, you're like, boys, where's the champagne? <laughs> you're like, we're in the semis. <laughs> you guaranteed it yeah. and Australia chased it down. Mark Waugh scored an amazing century and it was, you know, another result where New Zealand came so close. Yes, it was a quarterfinal, but you, they could smell the finish line and they couldn't make it. Look, Mark Waugh was like, if, I guess for all those people out there that like don't watch cricket and they're kind of like, oh, they're, they're tuning in to this podcast. Um, My mom and dad, <laughs> as I say every episode. Mark Waugh was like, he, he epitomized elegance. He was such a good player in the sense that he would hit a cricket ball and you'd be like, oh, that's going to, that's going to trickle five meters and then be at the boundary. And in 1996, during the World Cup, Mark Waugh was probably at the peak of his powers. He scored, I think, three hundreds that tournament. Um, probably none better than that fantastic hundred in the quarterfinal. And I think Steve Waugh made runs that game as well. Yeah. I think is Mark Waugh the Ryan Gosling of I think cricket? so. I think. Oh, I mean, of cricket generally, that that's a big call. But of that period, I'm trying to think. Like David Gower was probably before that, you know, and True. David Gower kind of had this this kind of um, aura of... Uh, he was just laissez-faire, like he, so he, relaxed. He was, and... he was like this lackadaisical aristocrat who would like come in and just caress the ball and just use his hands to dissect uh, the field. And Mark Waugh was similar, perhaps not an aristocrat. I mean, um, you know, <laughs> um, but he was, I mean, and certainly for like, if you listen to some of his commentary, you're like, oh, come on, Mark, like <laughs> you're better than that. Um, but... He was he was a really elegant player, and that's why like people like Ian Chappell actually rate Mark War higher than Steve War because he was just probably more naturally talented. Um, and that inning, sorry, the reason I raise this is that innings. I don't think there are many other Australian players at the time who could have played in innings like that and and you know got Australia in a position to chase down two eighty six because because Ricky Ponting was there, but he was young. He was nowhere near his peak at, at that time. So really, I think it was only Mark Waugh who would have been able to play in innings like that to get Australia over the line, and he did. I had number three, the quarterfinal match between India and Pakistan. Of course you did. As an Indian, of course you did. <laughs> Born in Australia. Born in Australia. Born in Australia, yeah, I, I think I'm getting, this, uh, I'm getting this vibe from some listeners that I'm 
uh, I hate Australia. I love Australia. No, no, Australia. No, yeah, yeah. And I, I was put this on the record that I go for Australia in every sport, including cricket. Even during this period when they were like apparently arrogant, they were just they were just good, bro. They were just yeah, good. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So India, India, Pakistan. Contextually, we know that these two countries have had a checkered history yep. with each other. Oh, really? I <laughs> wasn't aware. <laughs> but this match was played in India. Uh, it was played in Bangalore and it was a fiery game. Uh, India came out and they had a great knock from Navjot Singh Sidhu. Oh, Navjot. He's, uh, he's the man of idioms. He, you know, he was a commentator for a while. You know, he's a good, he's a commentator a lot in New Zealand. He and did. he was, he was really good. Like, as, as in, sorry, I should probably give a better description than he was really good. Like, he was quite, um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like his vocabulary, I would say was extensive. Yeah. And he was like relatively eloquent. Like, no, not relatively. He was eloquent. Yeah. The highlight of that match and perhaps one of the highlights of the world cup is one, it's two deliveries mm. and it's, uh, Pakistan are chasing. They're batting quite well. Mm. And Amir Sohail is, is batting and plundering. <laughs> what they've got is they've got a chase. It's a big total that they're trying to chase Pakistan. And so they're trying to bat at six runs and over. And Amir Soil is just caressing balls through, um, through cover and hits one off Venkatesh Prasad. Mm. And I encourage you, you listeners to watch this on YouTube if you get a chance. Type in Sohail and Prasad. And you don't need to be a cricket lover like to understand what's going on. Exactly. Like, yeah. You'll hear the crowd, you'll hear the sound. And then so Sohail hits a four off Prasad and then points his, takes his glove and starts points at Prasad <laughs> and then points at the boundary. And says, you know, that that ball's going there. Like, you know, you saw what I did with that. I'm going to keep doing that. And Prasad is this stocky, slow. He's 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 not a, he's not a star. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not a star. And he bowls around 120, 125 kilometers, which is slow for listeners. Like, it's that's not fast. Emblematic but, of yeah. the Indian pace attack after after Kapil Dev retired it was yeah. we didn't have India didn't have much. Yeah. And then what happens is Prasad bowls the next ball. It sort of cuts in a little bit. So Hill tries to smash it for six and gets clean bowled. And it's this image of Prasad basically pointing at Sahil and saying, get the hell out of here. <laughs> and that that won them the game. Yeah, yeah. look, that I don't know why Sahil did that. But that, that disappoints me. <laughs> it was me. so arrogant. It was so arrogant. But that, there are two things that disappoint me about that. The first is, I think sometimes, um, and I think it's changing. I think it's changing. But... There was a period when, like, South Asians, particularly their cricket teams, were perceived as, yeah, you're, you're flamboyant. Um, but, you know, compared to teams like Australia and South Africa, you're mentally not there and we can, we can get to you mentally and you'll play a stupid shot and, you know, that'll be that. And the disappointing thing about that is that's exactly what happened. Like, <laughs> like, so, like Sahail hits his boundary and part of me is like, all right, now... If I was watching live, I didn't watch that game live, but if I was watching live, I'd be like, bro, nah, just settle down, you know, <laughs> like work a single, you know, chill. That's what they say nowadays. That's yeah. what they say. No, nah, and then he loses his head and he gets out and it was pretty like ordinary shot, to be frank. Like it was very ordinary. And the second thing that disappoints me about that game is like, yeah, we spoke about it before, like India and Pakistan are kind of co-hosts, but I feel like Pakistan are kind of the main host because the finals in Lahore. But they How play- did they get that? How did Pakistan get the final? Mate, I think it's good they got it because I don't know whether we'll ever have a final in Pakistan again. Fair point. I mean, sorry, I hope we do, but maybe not for a while. Yeah. 
And so I'm happy. Actually, good point. Good I'm point. happy they got it. But I guess the thing that disappointed me was why was that game played in Bangalore? Like I felt like Pakistan were perhaps yes, it was co-hosted between India, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. But I feel like Pakistan was like the slight main host, if there was a main host. Like why weren't they playing that game in Lahore or Karachi? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe there was a reason. But um, mm. that's the other disappointing thing. Like yeah, they should have just they just should have played a bit more one-day cricket in Pakistan, just generally. Good call. Number two and number one, we said war. We, we talked about the West Indies Australia uh, Australia game, which was the semi final. Mm. The number one moment for this World Cup, and it'll be two matches. It's Sri Lanka in the semi final against India, and Sri Lanka in the final. I want to go through it. The star of both the semi final and the final, and we'll probably refer to him when we talk about the Don and give some awards oh, there. I love that. But Aravinda da Silva. Yep. Yep. That semi final was. Played at the Eden Gardens, as we know, mm. the Indian home of cricket back in the day, uh, hosted a hundred and I think hundred and ten thousand. I think people. you're right. Yeah, and India started on fire. They had taken the two Sri Lankan openers out, and Sri Lanka still managed to score two hundred and fifty-one on the back of a fantastic knock from Aravinda. Like two hundred and fifty-one back in the day, back in '96, is probably like three hundred today. Like it was. Yes. It's, it's a it's a very good score, and. Anyway, Javagal, as Dilip said, Javagal Srinath, who's India's opening bowler, gets Jayasuri and Kalawatarana out in the first over. And this is uh, this is where Ranatunga's contingency plan comes into action. He's like, if my two pinch hitters fail, I have enough am- ammo, I suppose, uh, in, in the batting order to get us to a decent score. And they, those two get out. Guru Singer gets out as well. It's three for 30 odd. Aravinda scores 66 or 47. I'm not just here to repeat this, the stats because anyone can look at the stats, but his innings was... The thing is, is it was this kind of... This mix of, like, hedonism. And, and I say hedonism because, like, hedonism is like, you know, you, you live a life of, of luxury. And I feel, felt like some of the shots he played epitomized, like, just... Uh, strokesman like like sorry not not strokes but like his strokes were just of the the highest quality mm. that innings was was really was um interesting f- <laughs> for a number of reasons the first thing is he does what sachin did to shobakta and wazimakram in 2003 he takes an off stump guard um and entices the bowlers to bowl at his stumps so that he can work them through the onside and i think that's that's what he does initially and then i assume azar um, blocks that gap and then he has to start then we see the real class of Aravinda where he's able to use his hands to dissect the gaps on the offside um, and anyway it works he scores 66 or 47 but he actually gets out when the score's only 85 yeah so like there's still like Sri Lanka could have got bowled out for 150 160 right but then again this is where Arjuna's planning comes to the fore Mahanama and Tilakaratna who were batting at six and seven which were typically positions for pinch hitters in other teams come in they build a really good partnership Branatunga makes runs as well and they end up getting a 250 I think Mahanama gets 58 um, Arjuna and Tilakaratna get about 30 odd each they're also able to get up to 250 because they've got to 85 so quickly because Aravinda has scored 66 or 47. So they've got about 35 overs to score another, or maybe more, to score another 150-odd runs. 
So for me, it was it was Arvind that was the star and received man of the match, but it was a, it was a really impressive collective batting performance. And I would say as a collective unit, that was a more impressive performance in the final because the final was kind of dominated by a couple of players on the Sri Lankan side. But the semi-final, you know, a number of batsmen came to the party after their openers and number three had failed. So that that was perhaps the most, you know, pleasing thing about that performance. They overcame... Uh Adversity in that semi-final, being two for one oh. in front of a, hun- a raucous hundred and ten thousand oh, yeah. pro-India crowd. Yeah, but his semi-final innings, I hope it's not lost in oblivion because into oblivion because it was a, it was a magical knock, and I, I I'm disappointed in myself because I can't find the adjectives to adequately describe what a good innings it was because sixty six or forty seven today is a very good innings. Sixty six or forty seven in nineteen ninety six is a sublime innings. Yes. It's like it's like what's going on? Yeah. Like, did India you bowl trash? Yeah. Like, what's like what's happening? But they didn't really. Like, okay, maybe they didn't bowl great, but he, if you actually watch the highlights, he hit some balls to the boundaries, which most other players would have blocked or, you know, worked for singles or something like that. He was, his placement in that innings was just top class. It's a little unfortunate that that semifinal innings, I'll say as a, I mean, I don't support if I watch Sri Lanka, I'll watch them, but I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't have Sri Lankan background, but you don't remember that innings as much because I think the final result was a forfeit or they had to, cance- yeah. they had to cancel the match because yes. the Indian crowd started getting rowdy. India were 120 for eight. And then the whole crowd just started throwing rubbish onto the, mm. onto the ground. And Clive Lloyd said, it's too dangerous to play. And so people probably think more about the fact that, the game ended in such controversial circuit, not controversial, but just in a, in a weird result Yeah, that, that Aravinda's innings is overshadowed. almost overshadowed by the final result. Yeah. It was, it was very unfortunate. And, and for those that I suppose are not familiar with the match, like, yeah, Sri Lanka make 250, but India get off to a rollicking start and Sachin Tendulkar's opening, he, he played really well that innings actually. And I hate, I hate using the phrase really well because like, I guess if if Aravinda was an artist, Sachin was batting with impudence, <laughs> like like he was just <laughs> dictating proceedings. Like who like, got him out though? Uh, I think it was Jaya Surya and Kalu stumped him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, hey, but, a question, but yeah. I don't want to interrupt. But a question about <laughs> Jaya Surya has Jaya Surya? But I think in '96 he was 26 or 27. Could be, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. has he always looked 45 years Bro, old? He's he's but he. But he looked like a fit forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like he was a he was a fit forty-five. Like he takes. Uh, I don't. I don't want to get distracted. But he takes. A, he takes a great catch um, to get a uh, very a very athletic catch to get Mark Taylor out in the final. Anyway, we digress. But Sachin's rollicking along. Kalu stumps him in unfortunate circumstances. I must. I watched the highlights, and then India collapsed pretty much. And I think the crowd were just so upset at how India had folded so meekly. Um, that they they reacted in that way, but it's it's there's, I have an int- a slightly uh, well, vaguely interesting story, and it, it's a, it's again it's around two journalists, and I've quoted them before: Shada Ugra and Mike Marquez. Um, so Shada Ugra in so the nineteen eighty seven World Cup was also held in India Pakistan, and she was like a, maybe a university student or something like that, and she turns up to games uh, in India uh, in nineteen eighty seven to watch the World Cup. And she talks about the difference in the crowd between 1987 and 1996, just generally. What she said was she noticed 
that there was a difference in the type of people that used to attend cricket matches in India in 1987 versus 1996. So anyway, put that there. Maybe the composition of the crowd was a reason why they reacted in that manner. They were essentially burning things. They were burning things in the stadium, throwing bottles onto the field. It, 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 it became a... Unruly. Yeah, unruly. And it was a how to do it. It was a safety issue for the players. So Clive Lloyd, who was the match referee, like he had... To, I, I don't think he had any other choice. He had to ban the match. Anyway, um, he had to, sorry, award the match to Sri Lanka. Um, but Mike Marquesi, who's another uh, writer who's unfortunately passed away, but he was actually at the match in the crowd. And um, he asks some of these people, he's like, why are you, why are you riding? Which is <laughs> like an interesting question to ask whilst people are riding. Anyway, and um, one of the guys is like, I paid 5,000 rupees for this ticket, right? And I think the market price was like 1,500. But as you know, things are sold on the black market, et cetera, yeah. right? And I think it was just this, they were just like so upset with how, you know, they had paid 5,000 rupees. I don't know if it was a weekday. I'm not sure. Maybe they took a good day off work. I don't know if it was a weekday. Maybe it was a weekend. But they paid this uh, amount of money, which was seen as an exorbitant cost for a cricket match in 1996. Um, their team had folded. And actually, uh, it, I think, I don't know if if, um, if 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 Mike says this or whether someone he was talking to said this, but they were not upset or angry with the Sri Lankans for being in a winning position. In fact, when the Sri Lankans left the field, they were cheering. They were not, not cheering is a strong word, but they were applauding the Sri Lankans, but they were booing the Indians. Mm. Um, and I also remember like Binod Kumbli was like in tears or whatever in yeah. that game. And so I think that's, that's an important thing to understand. And I don't know whether it's the same now, like, or maybe the crowd composition has changed again in Indian society, but it was an interesting point that Shada made that she was like, there was that change in the nine years. Like I noticed a difference in who was coming. It wasn't just the people who appreciated cricket and who had grown up with, you know, maybe a respectful side to them. Like they didn't boo opposition players like what they were in 1996. Um, it was, yeah, but I thought that was just something important to note, which perhaps is, is why people reacted like that in 1996 compared to other times when cricket was played in India. Yeah. I think India probably thought approached that semi-final believing they were the favorite to win. Oh, I think they were the favorites. And they would have yeah. been very confident going in. Absolutely. Playing in Eden Gardens, which is like 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 nine, like probably 8 or 9 times out of 10, like they should win games there. And the response from Amir Soil is magnificent. He's down the track and really it's been a flat-batted tennis shot. Over covers for four. He's a great competitor, Amir Soil, and here you see him arguing with the bowler or telling him what he's doing. Well, that's the answer. That's the best way you can answer a batsman. Venkatesh Pasar has clean bowled Amir Sohail. Sohail losing a bit of concentration, having a chat with the bowler his off stump peg back next ball well let's watch it here it's a really terrible shot and by losing his concentration having arguing with the bowler now look what pakistan have suffered and uh, india have had a very good breakthrough now that final it was a spectacular result to a spectacular tournament from from sri lanka's perspective mm, mm. They all just clicked at the same time. I think a shout out, other than Aravinda De Silva, Gurusinha. Gurusinha played. He played the the Gautam Gambhir role, the twenty eleven final. <laughs> yeah, I mean that 
that final was it was it was interesting how the match panned out so obviously as you had said before deal like Arjuna at the start of the tournament when he, when it became known that Australia were going to forfeit that match and essentially um, gift Sri Lanka two points he said I want Australia in the final and there weren't many uh, opposing captains at that time who were saying I want Australia like most most teams were like let's let's try and keep away from Australia but I don't know whether like Aravinda felt sorry Arjuna felt that even if Sri Lanka won the World Cup, if they never played Australia, there would be an asterisk next to that, you know, because, oh, you didn't beat Australia. So I think he wanted to play Australia for a couple of reasons. One, to prove that Sri Lanka was the best team during that tournament. And two, after all the heartache of the tour of Australia that, of Australia that had unfolded just a few weeks prior to that tournament, um, he wanted to have another crack at Australia. And um, they get to the final and... There's, there's actually so many. There's actually so many um, wonderful <laughs> stories that, that come out of this that, that this final. Even before the final is like, even before they start playing, there are so many great finals. So, so many, so many great stories. Sorry, not finals. Um, so, so apparently, uh, before, the day before the final, um, Ian Chapel is supposed to interview Shane Warne, and Ravi Shastri is supposed to interview Ranatunga, and Shastri's uh, interview is first. And uh, he interviews Ranatunga and Ranatunga says uh, Sh- something like, uh, it comes out that he says something like Shane Warne is a media myth or whatever, whatever, something like that. <laughs> um, and I don't know if, I, if I'm if i allowed to swear on this podcast, so I won't swear, but pretty much Ian Chappell is about to uh, interview Shane Warne. And before the interview starts, so before they go on air, um, Shane Warne goes to Ian Chappell What's that fat B called me again? <laughs> so, so what's that? Sorry, no. He said, "What's that fat B said about me again?" And um, of Ranatunga. Of Ranatunga, yeah, right. And uh, everyone knows what the B word stands for, right? Anyway, what's that fat whatever so and so said about that me? Fat again. bugger <laughs> said about me again. And Ian Chappell's like, even before like the first ball is bowled, this guy's in Australia's head, like yeah. already, right? Anyway, um, and. The thing is, is the day of the, the the day before the final as well. This is all happening the day before the final. The day before the final, both teams train at um, Gaddafi Stadium, which is a stadium in Lahore, which is where the final is held. And Australia train during the day, and Sri Lanka train in the evening. And anyway, they both train. And um, as Sri Lanka's uh, leaving the ground. Arjuna goes to, I can't remember if it was Dulip Mendes who was the manager at the time. I think it was Dulip or he goes to someone. Later tonight, can you go to the ground and tell me if they're still due? Because when the Sri Lankans were training, they were, remember they were training in the evening, there was dew, which is like, which is pretty much means the, the grass was slightly wet. And it makes it easier to bat. It makes right. it easier to bat, exactly, because for a couple of reasons. The first is the spinners can't grip the ball as well because it's wet. And secondly, the ball comes tends to skid onto the bat, um, skid onto the bat, which is good when the pitch is slower because it means that it's not too slow. The ball comes onto the bat nicely, which means you know it it, it, it becomes slightly more even paced. Um, then or even pace is the wrong wor- word, but it's just it's just a, s- a slightly more comfortable pace when you're batting. Yeah. It's the ball is not stopping in the pitch and you don't have to make your own pace. So 
And he goes to Dulip, I think it's Dulip Mendes, yeah, can you check? Dulip comes back and goes, yeah, there's still, there's still a fair amount of dew. And what Arjuna was trying to find out is if, whether it was better to bat first or second, because batting first meant that they would bat during the day. If they batted second, they'd be batting under light, so essentially in the night. And he wanted to understand what would be better conditions for his spinners and his batters because they were the strengths of the Sri Lankan team. They weren't a fast bowling. Yeah, they had a couple of fast bowlers, but frankly, their job was to see get the shine off the new ball. Um, Chaminda was oh, playing. Vast was a very good bowler. You're right. But Pramodia Wickramasinghe, even he would admit, he admitted that his job was to see the sh- was to get the shine off the new ball. Rantung was like, if you pick up a wicket, it's a bonus. <laughs> um, anyway, so those two things happened the, the day before the final. And then the, on the day of the final, um, Ranatunga, whatever, comes down late to breakfast. And this is back in the day when both teams used to have, we used to stay in the same hotel. So Ranatunga comes down and all the Aussie boys are together having breakfast, you know. They look a little bit nervous, a little bit stressed. Yeah, fair enough, World Cup final, you know. And then, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they may not get a chance again. And he's like, where are my guys? Like, actually, where are they? Like, there's no one, there's no one in sight right? There's no Sri Lankan in sight and they're supposed to get the bus in like 15 minutes. He goes to the, um, towards the entrance of the hotel. And you know how in, it's, it's this, I'm sure it's the same in uh, India and Sri Lanka, but I, I know it's the same in Sri Lanka, but in India, I'm sure it's the same. Like you have these like pop-up stores, you know, like these, like, like markets, right? Yeah. Like markets, right? And there's like a pop-up shop outside the entrance of the hotel. And there's this guy selling like carpets and saris right <laughs> and all these like lankan players as well as like backroom staff and, and that's back in the day when you had like three or four backroom staff not like 20 backroom staff like today but yeah all those guys they're like so they're like surrounding this merchant and they're like haggling they're like haggling sorry not haggling haggling right they're like haggling they're like 10 rubies less 20 rubies less whatever yeah. right um, which we all do when we go overseas. Which we all do. To, which we yeah. all do in the subcontinent. It's like if you don't, it's like you know, come on, what's going on? Um, and Arjuna is about to blast these guys, right? Because they're freaking buying carpets and saris for their girlfriends and wives instead of like on the eve of the most important match. Not even the eve. The fifteen minutes they're supposed to be on the bus <laughs> and they're playing in like an hour, like two hours <laughs> after that, right? So he's like, anyway. So he's about to rip into these guys, and I think it's um. I can't remember whether it's Dulip Mendes or Siddharth Wetamuni, who is the chief selector of um, the side at the time. I got a story about him later. Anyway, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> and Dulip Mendes, I think it's Dulip Mendes actually, goes, hey, don't worry. This is a good thing. He's like, this is a huge game. And these guys are so relaxed. Look at the Aussie guys. They're stressed. They're nervous. They're anxious. He's like, we sh- it's better if we're like this. Wow. And Ranatunga is like, yeah, fair enough. Doesn't tell anyone off. And uh, it's, anyway, so they then, uh, before that they'd had a team meeting, sorry. And they were like, oh, we're definitely going to bat second, right? We're going to bat second, whatever. They turn up to the ground and um, Arjuna's walking out to do the toss. So I'm, I'm like totally monopolizing the... No, sorry, no, keep sorry, going, bro, keep sorry, going. Bro, anyway, there's like some interesting stuff before the game, just so you can understand what's going on behind the scenes. He's going to the toss. I actually like the behind the scenes more that, than the actual yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, the behind the scenes. Anyway, he's going to the toss. And um, uh, at that time, and this is another great example of India and Pakistan coming together. Ravi Shastri and Imran Khan used to do the um, the pitch report at yeah. that time for, I don't know which station. Imran Khan. Imran Khan. This is before Imran goes into politics, right? Yeah. He has yeah. a brief stint 
in commentary or I don't know whether he's doing some commentary because the World Cup's in uh, South Asia. Yeah. Maybe, right? And Imran is, oh man, for anyone that doesn't know, Imran is the Ryan Gosling of cricket. Imran, yeah. Imran is like, Ryan Gosling times Brad Pitt times like pretty much every good looking actor in yeah. history is like is like he's like that's, he also that's, had a great accent oh he had a great accent because he was like it's like semi-South Asian but like also like I'm educated like semi-English yeah it's just you know like, it's perfect bro he's like Keeble, he's like Keeble College like Oxford but then like Captain Pakistan like uh, anyway whatever I, oh bro there's so many great Imran Khan stories anyway that's what we're here uh, you know we're gonna do the I wanna do the 88 uh, Pakistan West Indies series which no one will remember about but we'll do Imran Khan stories I got then. a great story from that series anyway sorry Imran it's a great a, a great example of India and Pakistan coming together Imran and Ravi Shah are doing the match report and Arjuna is going to do the toss with Mark Taylor and he runs into Imran Khan and Imran goes a great wicket to bat on it's a great <laughs> wicket to bat on i can't do an imran khan accent but he's like it's a great wicket to bat on and arjuna is like uh look uh, i think we're gonna bat second he's like no team has ever won the world cup batting second so up until that Who, time Ranatunga said that imran khan imran. so up until that time in the 20 years of world cup history no team had ever won the world cup final chasing so wow. batting second it had never happened so imran's like are you sure and you got to understand, in this in this World Cup final, everyone in Pakistan is going for Sri Lanka. Like everyone, yeah. everyone's going. For, no one wants Australia to win in Pakistan. That is right. So Imran's like, "Are you sure?" Like you know, and and there's a story as well that Rami's Raja had gone to Ranatunga a few days before, and he was like, "What pitch do you want?" And Ranatunga's really? like, "I want this. I want this. I want this." Like no one wanted Australia to win, right? <laughs> And, um, what and, pitch do you want? Yeah. Oh and then even goodness. Imran had gone and told the hotel, hotel staff, he's like, look after the Sri Lankan boys, like look after them, get them whatever they want, you know? Well, do you ever hear those stories about if you're playing away from home, they will turn off the electricity at the away home, at the away teams? <laughs> Maybe something like that. <laughs> oh, who knows, man? I wouldn't it's, put it... I it's sounding a little bit like that. <laughs> but um, anyway, and um, Arjuna's like, okay, okay. There's a lot of people in, talking in his ear. He's like, look, I've taken a decision with the boys and with the management. We're going to bat second, right? He has a toss. He wins the toss and he decides to bowl. And there's been a surprise, you know, and I, I, you know what? I love that era of cricket because there's like broadcasters and journos and photographers just swarming around the two captains. <laughs> now it's like being in social distancing and like seven people are allowed to be yeah. there. And it's like, it's, it's very... I don't know. It feels a little bit like it's a different time. It's a different time. It feels it, it we're feels, in kindergarten. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're in kindergarten. It's VCR time. Um, but it, it is. It's it's you. We were watching this on the VCR. Like, I, I literally watched the second innings on. Like my dad recorded the second innings. Yeah, the um, grainy footage. Yeah, the grainy. <laughs> this is cricket at the time. Oh man! And so anyway, and Mark Taylor says unequivocally, I would have batted first. But he also says, as Arjun has, has said, I don't think the pitch is. Like, I don't think it's going to de deteriorate that much. It's probably going to be the same for both teams. Yeah. But unlike the Sri Lankans, I don't think Australia had factored in the due factor, which Arjuna had factored in, which is why he wanted to bowl first. Due is a, it's a subcontinental thing. Yeah. I almost feel as if Australia, New Zealand, West Indies, England, they would never factor that sort of issue in because mm. it doesn't happen in the in their countries. Yeah, that's right. I think it's it's a humidity thing. 
It's yeah. a humidity thing. So in those countries that you've named, the humidity, the percent, the humidity is not as high as in the subcontinent. So it's probably just the dew factor is just not an issue. Um, and exactly. I also don't know about the drainage of the Gaddafi state. I got no idea, you know. Um, I have to bring on a drainage expert. <laughs> <laughs> to discuss, to discuss the... I yeah. have my highest number of listeners for that one. <laughs> Uh, and they decide to bowl first and, you know, the, the rest is history. I won't, I won't go into the game like you can. It was Sri Lanka's only World Cup that they've won. Yes, the only, World Cup, the only 50 ever World Cup that they've won. Yeah, yeah that's and, right. And so it means a lot. Look, I don't know if it changed Sri Lankan cricket forever because, you know, we've seen a decline in Sri Lankan cricket. Since but at they- least for the next 20 years. No, no, you're right. You're right. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Between after that... For at least another 15 years, you saw Sri Lankan cricket arguably go from strength to strength, particularly in the limited overs format. Um, and, they were, and they were a strong team in test cricket at home. Yeah. Um, I think, like, you know, there's, there's so much to unpack from that final and the impact of that final. I think that the administrators of Sri Lankan cricket, you know, mucked things up, frankly. Because when Sri Lanka won the World Cup, they would have had money coming in. They would have had uh, a number of uh, sponsorship and endorsement opportunities um, to take advantage of. They would have had an opportunity to invest in the grassroots of Sri Lankan cricket to create a more comprehensive and robust domestic system. And they didn't do any of those things. Um, the financial management was poor. Perhaps they didn't have the people with the appropriate commercial acumen to take advantage of those opportunities. But for whatever reason, that World Cup should have been a moment, like what it was for India in 83. It's, and I know it's a bit different. Like Sri Lanka has a much smaller population, a much smaller market. Uh, you know, we were never going to be in India. What is ma- the population? 21 million, and it was, okay. probably, it was probably less back then. But okay. uh, it's, now it's 21 million. Maybe it was, I don't know, 16, 17 million back then. I, d- right. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but we could have been like a New Zealand, you know, like a, a good, stable cricketing nation. You, play your, you pay your players reasonably well. Uh, you have a decent domestic infrastructure, and you can compete at the global level. You know, we we're never going to be in India because we just don't have that market, um, and you just don't have that... Yeah, you have the same people knocking on your door, like if India win the World Cup, for example. Yeah. But there would have been opportunities there and they just didn't take advantage of those opportunities. Like look at their domestic system. It's pretty much a club system. Pretty much there are like 20 clubs, roughly, I'm guessing. Uh, not guessing, I'm, I'm, it's an approximation. There are 20 clubs in Colombo. You, after school, you go and, you know, essentially trial for these clubs, work your way up the grade uh, grades, play first grade for the club. And then if you're good enough, you then go straight from that system to playing for Sri Lanka. So I almost see it as, imagine playing like Sydney grade cricket and you play first grade for St. George and then you play for Australia. Like the jump is too big, right? They should have a provincial first class system and they should should have done enough um, to make sure that they could pay provincial players you know a living a wage that they can live on um yeah we have to pay them didn't have to pay them exorbitant amounts um but they didn't do that i guess a, 
a, a, a romantic uh, thing about that. It's, it's a romantic World Cup for Sri Lankans because we were minnows. Like we were minnows before that World Cup. Like we were, yeah, yeah, we were. You uh, were you were better than Zimbabwe. We were better, yeah, yeah, we're better than Zimbabwe, and I would say we're better than Bangladesh now. But like we were somewhere in between uh, Bangladesh now and Zimbabwe of. We maybe we were like a Zimbabwe of the late nineties, early two. Maybe slightly better than that in yeah. terms of respect in the cricketing world in '96 before that World Cup. But it was it was a bit of a fairy tale story. Like we just got test status in 1982. Can you imagine? Bangladesh, Zimbabwe, any of these other nations that have been given test status recently, winning a World Cup 14 years after getting test status. No yeah. way. There's no way that's happening. Um, it's like Australia winning a sock football World Cup. It's, it's, it's just crazy. That, that's, a good, that's a good analogy. It's absurd. It's like, it's, it's exactly. It's like Australia winning a football World Cup. For Sri Lanka to do it was fantastic, but, but probably one of my, my favorite memory, Arjuna plays this late cut off Glenn McGrath to hit the winning runs. And... There's like euphoric, like chaos around him. There's like players running on the field, shouting, screaming, photographers, journalists coming in, like trying to get a piece of the action. And Arjuna hugs Aravind, their one arm hug. But what amazes me is how stoic and calm he is in the middle of the pitch at the end of that final amongst this chaos. As if, it was as if like an astrologer had told him, you're going to win the World Cup. Controversial call, but he reminds me a little bit, like Ganguly um, embodied some of those elements that Ranatunga had, <laughs> which is the confident, not, would not give an inch to another player. I'm, they're different cricketers and different skill sets and they had their own controversies, but they were both captains in the same mould. I think. Bro, can you imagine Ranatunga taking off his shirt and whirling it around like I got like surrounded in 2002 Lords? <laughs> it's not like Ganguly had a six pack. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think Arjuna like, had exactly had a flat stomach. <laughs> like, he's, he's not doing that. Uh, look, I don't know. Look, I know you and others in our uh, friends group are sort of Ganguly fans. Um, You're not. Look, Ganguly was a he was an okay captain. Um, he didn't play in this World Cup. No, no, he, yeah, he didn't play in this World Cup. Um, but you know, I don't I don't want to compare him to Ganguly, but um, because he actually won a World Cup. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and it's not one of our debate topics. I just sort of I, I thought about it. I thought I thought maybe there's a synergy here. But no, I take your point. You got to give respect to Ronaldo who won a World Cup. Yeah, he won a, he won a World Cup with a team that, on paper, compared to Australia, was outgunned by some margin. If you don't know anything about cricket or even if you do know about cricket but you don't really care about this World Cup, like his performance in the final, he takes three wickets with the ball. He scores 107 not out. His three wickets are not... He didn't get bunnies out. He got Mark Taylor, Ricky Ponting and Ian Healy out. Wow. Um, like he was... Like Sri Lanka were getting pumped. They were 100... Like Australia were 137 for one after like 25 overs, which nowadays is like being like 180 for one after 25 yeah. overs. Like they were getting absolutely pumped. And Aravinda comes on. And the great thing about Aravinda is um, he actually didn't bowl that much during that World Cup. He bowled eight overs before that whole... He bowled eight overs in the tournament before that final. And then he bowled nine overs in the final. And the, the thing with Aravinda is... <laughs> I don't want to compare him to Nathan Lyon. But, <laughs> but Gary um, gets great overspin. Gather. Gazza yep. gets great overspin. Like Ashwin is more a side spin bowler. So for anyone that doesn't understand, overspin means you get a bit more bounce... 
out of the um, out of your delivery. And Australian finger spinners generally bowl with a bit more overspin because our wickets have a bit more bounce. What's Hirsch? Side spin or Hirsch? Hirsch is a friend of ours. It's who a big shout out for Hirsch. Hirsch, on this podcast. Mate, Hirsch um, first season we played together was was bowling some, with some serious overspin because there were a lot of bat pad wickets. I was feeling a short leg. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> for any, anyone outside of Australia listening to this, we're talking about park cricket and one of our favorite off-spin bowlers in park cricket. Hirsch Patel. Um, shout out to Hirsch. But anyway, I don't know bowling with great overspin. And you can tell that it's effective because first of all, Mark Taylor top edge is a sweep, which means that the ball is, firstly, he hasn't got to the pitch of the ball, Mark Taylor, but the ball has bounced more than he thought. So he's got a top edge. He then bowls Ricky Ponting, who's trying to cut. And I think the ball kind of, I think on the cut, it goes slightly over the bat. And then he bowls Ian Healy with a great ball, which like goes through the gate. And then his 107 not out was not as, um, I, I suppose, um, rampant as his like semi-final innings where he yeah. scores 66 or 47. It's a much more well-paced, measured innings. But again... It's it's some similar characteristics from the semi-final is the way that he places the ball. He never looked rushed. I, I've watched that innings over and over again. He never looks rushed. Um, and maybe because also the crowd is perhaps there's not as much of a frenzy as like the Eden Gardens crowd. But it's he just looks he looks a lot more relaxed actually um, mm. during that innings in the semi-final. And um, the great thing about that innings in the final is that he's there at the end he gets the job done and it's a it's a it's a very good lesson like it's a bit like ms Dhoni in 2011 he, he's there at the end and he just gets the job done and that's what i like about that innings as well we're all too familiar with collapses absolutely and if say De Silva had gone out with 30 runs left to chase who knows what would have happened with two new batsmen at the who crease knows? like i know mahanama and tilakaratna came to the party in the semis but they were relatively young inexperienced players and the Aussies would have been in their ear a lot more than the Indians. Like they would have made them feel a lot more uncomfortable out there. I would go as far to say that at that time, Aravinda was probably amongst the top three batsmen in the world, along with Tendulkar and Brian Lara. The year before at Kent, he played he played county cricket at Kent. He scored an unbelievable like 112 off 95 in a one-day final against Lancashire. And you might be like, who cares? It's county cricket. But <laughs> Lancashire had... Wazim Akram and Mike Atherton in that team. They did. And he flayed Wazim Akram, none for 57 off 10, right? It made him look like left arm, like club bowler. Right? <laughs> left arm rubbish. <laughs> and that's not Wazim Akram. That's but... not Wazim Akram. Wazim Akram was seriously good. And Kent lost that final, but Arvinda still got man of the match. Wow. He was, no one in his team scored over 25 and he got 112. I, I can't remember the, the cricket rider, but it was, it may have been a wisdom rider, but he said the best innings he watched of the English summer, this includes all the international matches, was Aravinda's 112 for Kent. Um, so I think... We might as well cover it now. He gets, <laughs> sorry, he, he yeah. gets the don of this oh, sorry, Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm just completely monopolizing here, Dil. If, yeah. if we said who's, who's the Bradman of this tournament, was this an apex uh, performance for any player? We're giving it to Aravinda. Yeah, it's, see, it's tough because Jay Surya gets man of the tournament, right? He officially How does wins Jay Surya get man of the tournament? So Jay Surya... A great stat from this World Cup is Jayasuriya's strike rate is 131.5, right? Which in today's in today's cricket, something else. That's that's pretty much like 170. Like 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 it's it's crazy. Like that strike rate. He takes seven wickets. He takes some good catches. Aravinda statistically and Sachin statistically, may I add, and had, War and Mark War, War Mark War had better tournaments. However, I would argue that Sanad's impact on one day cricket 
was greater because of that World Cup. You see, Fair. you see, Sanad changed the way that people. Now, not every team. You're right, Dil. You alluded to this. Not every team took that and said, "Oh, we're going to have pinches at the top of the order." But some teams saw that as an opportunity to be like, "Hey, let's have a stroke maker at the top of the order." Australia did it with Gilchrist. South Africa did it with Herschel Gibbs. And they said, let's have a stroke maker at the top of the order instead of just a guy that knocks the ball around and sees the shine off the new ball. So Jay Surya changed one day cricket, whereas Sachin Arvind and Mark Waugh had unbelievable tournaments, but they didn't change one day cricket. They didn't change the way it was played. So that's why I think like, I can understand why Sanad got man of the tournament, but I mean, for me, like the Don, it's a tough one, but I'm going to go Aravinda because like he just played clutch innings in the semi-final and final. Like he was the epitome of clutch. He he does. He, I, he has to get the, the award. There's not a bowler I can think of either because I mean, no. Kumble took 15. It was a World Cup with Paul Strang for Zimbabwe took quite a few wickets mm-hmm. as well. But if you're, give, if you're giving an award, it's got to go to Aravinda. I think so. I, mean, I think we can agree Aravinda deserves the Don. Shane Warne. Well, he really is a good competitor. It wasn't a great delivery to get a wicket. Smashed back by Courtney Brown, but Shane Warne kept his eyes on the ball and here has hung on to a beautiful catch. So West Indies lose their first wicket and Warne picks up one with his first ball. Would you believe that? India hosted 17 matches. How many grounds did they play on? You're testing me. I actually... Oh. 17 matches, eh? Yep. Uh, seven grounds. 17. Are you serious? Yeah, they played on a different. They played on a different ground each time. And that's crazy. That's <laughs> a, India is famous for when when they bring. It's it's a it's a good thing and a bad thing. They in the BCCI encourages uh, India to play Test cricket and One Day cricket all over the country. The negative thing about that is that. Sometimes you want the best matches to have the premier grounds and they don't mm. always have that. Paul, I wanted to give Paul Strang a shout out and would yeah. you believe that? He had the best bowling average of the tournament. Mate, good on you, Strangy. That's, that's... Took 12 wickets at 16. Did he um, pick up eight for eight against Kenya? <laughs> I don't think he did, but uh, he may have bashed a few. Of four, the four for two against UAE. Yeah. <laughs> no, good on you, Strangy. And at the time, West Indies score of 93 against Kenya, it was... Not only was it the you know lowest score against Kenya, it was their lowest score at the time in World Cup history, mm. given how strong their World Cup teams were. So those were just some stats I thought I might mention. From a disappointing perspective, who gets the award? Who was the most disappointing player or team of the World Cup? Mm. It was between two for me, Viros. It was mm. either the West Indies or South Africa, but for two different reasons. West mm. Indies because... They had some shocking performances in this World Cup. They made the semi-final. <laughs> yeah. They conceivably should have been in the final. Yeah. But on the other side, I have South Africa, who we didn't mention it. They went undefeated in the round-robin they stage. Did. They did. And they come to the quarterfinals and Brian Lara just changes the game and they're out of the tournament yet again. Oh, I gotta love the Prince. BC Lara. Like, that's, that's the effect of Lara. Like, he could win games single-handedly. Like... Someone, I can't remember, someone asked, like, why do you think South Africa lost that quarterfinal? And they were just like, Brian Lara. Like, as if, like, that, it's as simple enough. as that. Yeah, yeah. If that's like a sufficient explanation. <laughs> um, actually, for me, man, I, I think um, 
Uh, West Indies had an up and down tournament because they beat Australia in the group stage and they lost in the semi final to them. So that's a bit of a, it's an interesting one. But for me, the disappointing team was Pakistan, actually, because interesting Pakistan home tournament for them. They had a very good team on. They had a good team on paper. They had Said Anwar, Wazim Akram. Did Waka play in that World Cup? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't remember. Amir Sohail was a good opener. It was Javed Mendes last World Cup. You know, so they had a good side there and. You know, with the final scheduled for Lahore. He did play. Waka did play. Yeah, Waka, there you go. Uh, uh, Quick info did. I mean, they, you know, you could argue that they they should have gone further in that World Cup uh, and they didn't, which was unfortunate. Good call. So it's a tie between Pakistan and, for me, South Africa. Yeah. Embrace debate. Virosh, I gave you advance notice of this. There's two topics I want to discuss with you. The first one is what do we do about the future of one-day cricket? What do I mean by that? One-day cricket is in an interesting spot now. We are talking, reminiscing about this World Cup, and we're reminiscing about it because at the time in the 90s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, one-day cricket was king. There was no 2020 cricket. It was just a a test between test cricket and one-day cricket. Nowadays, one-day cricket has fallen to the wayside. From an Australian perspective, it's not available on free-to-air TV and it doesn't create the same excitement that it once did. Is it fixable or are we facing a reality where cricketers and people who watch cricket are going to be deciding between Test Cricket and 2020 Cricket? What do we do? Look, I'm an optimist. So I believe in humanity and I believe we'll find a solution to the problem. I think it's fixable. But... There's a couple of things we need to do. So I think firstly, in fix with fixing one day cricket, you've got to fix the the way we deal with 2020 cricket. So I'm I'm in Warney's camp. Warney pretty much said 2020 cricket, keep it at the franchise level. So you have IPO, right. you have your Caribbean Premier League, your big bash, whatever. Let the players be merchants. They travel around the world, they play these different competitions, the different tournaments, sorry. Once every four years, you have a world 2020. Right? So the teams come together. The, the international teams come together, they play essentially a World Cup. So it's a very similar model to the football model, right? Where you're affiliated with your club, you get paid by your club. In, in this case with cricket, you are multiple franchises. And then, you know, your club releases you to play or your franchises release you to play the World T20. And, you know, and you may have a few friendlies here and there, but really we should try and keep away from having a useless bilateral T20 series <laughs> because no one cares, no one cares, right? Like, let's be honest, like... Um, it's a seven match 2020 series yeah. between New Zealand and Pakistan. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I know what like, you mean. Like, like, who cares? Like, and, and then teams give out, you know, just give uh, international caps, you know, for fun because they don't want to play their best players because there's too much cricket and they want to keep them for the big series and tournaments. It's just, it's just a waste of time. Um, so that's the first thing. 2020 cricket, keep it at the franchise level. One day cricket. I, I I have thought about this. I actually thought I actually thought about this even before we spoke today and yep. before you even asked me to to come on. I think one day cricket we need to deal with it like how they deal with um, international matches in rugby union. So for those that aren't familiar with rugby union, pretty much like say you play for New South Wales, you play for the Waratahs, you play in your like provincial tournament, and then you play against teams. Uh, in the Southern Hemisphere in a competition called the Rugby Championship and you play that once every year. And then at the end of the year, you tour the Northern Hemisphere and you play a few friendlies against um, the Northern Hemisphere teams like England and France and Ireland and those teams. 
And I think in one day cricket, what we need to do is we need to have a similar thing. So instead of having bilateral series, which really no one cares about, um, you know, in, you know, so for example, if you're Indian, right, you'd play Asia cup essentially, and you play against all the Asian teams and there'd be a final. And then you know, the winner of that final wins a tournament and you'd have that tournament every year. Right. And that's the pinnacle for you every year other than a world cup year. But then also India, if they want, they can go and travel and play a couple of games in Australia, a couple of games mm-hmm. in NZ or a game in NZ game in Australia. It's, it's a bit of traveling, but, um, and that would do two things. One, because you have less international matches, it means the significance of each match is more. And because you have a tournament, I think it would make it more interesting than just having a bilateral series. And then it culminates in a final, which is quite, which is quite exciting. Now, I've also factored in the geopolitical tension between India and Pakistan. So an Asia Cup is probably not possible with Pakistan. So yep. what you do is sub out Pakistan for like England, get England to play in your Asia Cup and get Pakistan to play in your non-Asia Cup. So what I propose is like you have Australia, New Zealand, West Indies, Pakistan, South Africa playing one, to- playing a, have their, uh, I suppose, for lack of a better phrase, group um, and they play a tournament amongst themselves every year but then each of those teams also travel to the subcontinent and play some friendlies you know against the subcontinent teams and then the subcontinent teams have the asia cup minus pakistan they play that every year but they also then go and travel to other parts of the world and play a few friendlies and then once every four years 50 over world cup You've got the solution. I don't know if I got the solution. I went. My solution wouldn't make it past the ICC board because they'd be like, <laughs> "It's not." Because they'd be like, "Bro, why are you trying to cut matches?" Because they're they're looking at it yeah. from a short term perspective. They're like, "Let's get as much money through the door as possible." But I think it's at the detriment of the medium to long term future of one day cricket. Warn Warn is usually right fifty percent of the time on his uh, <laughs> on on his solutions, but this one's a good one because I mean, look, yeah, there, something yeah. has to change yeah. in in yeah. in cricket. But then on the other side, I've been saying, or people have been saying, something has to change in cricket, and the game is still oh, doing well. Yeah, yeah, so, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So on on but, the other side, we the the game is still thriving. People like us are talking about it. But we, is it? Thri- I mean, it's thriving in India, England, and Australia. But is it thriving in? South Africa and New Zealand. I mean, New Zealand's okay, but in South Africa and no. the West Indies. Yeah, it's, and, it's not. You know, um, I mean, like in Pakistan, you used to have stadiums packed. It doesn't help that half their games are in the Middle East and Dubai, but even Sri Lanka, that Asia Cup in Sri Lanka, <laughs> yeah. only some of the games were played in um, right. to full crowds. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, disappointing. I mean, but, 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 sorry, but Sri Lanka is an anomaly because... And, and maybe this is the case in Pakistan. I, I don't know enough about Pakistan. But Sri Lanka is an anomaly because the cost of living in Sri Lanka is very high. I don't know how expensive those tickets were. Uh, Sri Lanka is, as probably the world knows, is uh, you know underwent a significant economic crisis. It's still coming out of that with the help of the IMF. So I don't know whether there were other factors at play which meant that the crowds weren't packed. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. You might be right. It might be just because people aren't as interested in the cricket. But... I don't know whether it's also just a cost of living thing. I want to finish with this segment, Virosh. It's I'm calling it the Oscars. It's a new category or new segment, mm. and it's two questions. Would could there be a movie made about this uh, <laughs> about this event? So we'll call it the World Cup. Yeah. And who's starring? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> my my personal view is, and I this is just for the Indian listeners out there. This 
story of Sri Lanka winning the World Cup reminds you a lot of the movie Lagan, uh, which is a movie starring Amir Khan. And it was a team of uh, Indian farmers who had to mm. win a cricket game against this English colonial team in order to avoid paying taxes for the next three years. <laughs> but I don't know if you could make a cricket, a, a cricket World Cup into a movie, but I think there's enough storylines in there with the Sri Lankan history, you know, Sri Lankan context, the World Cup being in India, Australia being this, uh, you know, rising team that it has enough in there to be a movie. So I'm saying yes. A hundred percent. Like it's a hundred percent. It can be a movie. Yeah. Like, the, I'd say, like given that, like, and the only thing is, is that the market, there's a small market. Like this, if this happened to India, I, I, it would already <laughs> be a movie. But um, the thing is, is like, like, I don't know if the US, if we're getting a lot of fans in the US <laughs> saying, I want to go to this movie. But we, but we, but we could in the sense that there's, there's a bombing, right? Two weeks before the World Cup. True. Right. So there's a lot of drama there. Um, there's this like arduous tour where the team that ends up winning the World Cup is actually getting absolutely whooped um, by yep. the team that they beat in the final, right? Yep. In like just a few weeks or a few months, a couple of months before that. And there'd be all this sad music when Morales <laughs> getting called for no balls. Like the movie would really focus on, even though it's about the World Cup, I think a lot of the initial pre the pre world cup events would oh, take a absolutely that could be half the movie pre, yeah. like, like pre world cup and which then is like this half, podcast <laughs> half our podcast is about the the pre world cup half, half this podcast is me um reciting <laughs> useless stories but no, no, um, i loved it but um and then like half the movie like part two is like the actual world cup but um yeah. i think we can definitely make it a movie i mean aravinda like you i want to say a south asian actor but i feel like Denzel could play the role of Aravinda. <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like Denzel, he's made for it. Like I do like, think of Denzel. That's like, <laughs> I think I think Denzel Vasana. I, I, oh, I mean, we need someone for Arjuna, and like Arjuna is a tough one. I I almost feel like a young. Ah, oh, no, nah, he's too old. Like Jack Nicholson's too old. <laughs> You're kind of, kind of a white guy, but I'm doing it. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, you're, yeah, you're kind of a white guy. So for Ranatunga, this is not correct, but you know Daryl from The Office? You kind of Daryl from The Office. So what do you mean? I had Craig Robinson for, um, for, for Ranatunga. I had Idris Elba for Aravinda De Silva. Bro, Aravinda's got a six-pack. He's jacked, all right? Because I know, Aravinda, he was the alpha of this tournament. He's out for the tournament. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he and was. And so I thought maybe Idris Elba, if he reads the script, he might say, <laughs> you know, that someone would have to teach him cricket because you don't want these actors. No, but Idris, Idris, isn't Idris from England? Yeah. But can he play cricket? We don't know. He's yeah, never but he knows cricket. It. He knows cricket. And yeah. he's got the Afro-Caribbean um, background. Sure, sure bro. Yeah. He, he, he would definitely know about cricket. Yeah. So like, it's not like Denzel or Craig Robinson taking the role. Yeah, Craig like, Robinson. Like, he Craig Robinson might have read the script and said, is this baseball? <laughs> He's not taking that script. And exactly. then I had, um, for Murali, I had, he was the star of Lagan, the Kachra. He's the spinner. The leg spinner. In, the leg spinner. But leg spinner never got called for chucking, so. Did he? No, he never got called no. for chucking, so. Different rules back in the colonial to... Indian yeah. farming days. Yeah. So but... like colonial England's Australia, are they? <laughs> I think this movie it's... is getting 6.8 on IMDb. <laughs> it's getting 6.8 because you'll get like 
a lot of people would just say, oh, another cre- like cricket yeah, movie. Nobody yeah, cares. Yeah, yeah. But for the cricket lovers, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a great movie and, and you'll see, you know, there'll be a lot of Google reviews. And there's never been a movie about, oh, not that I can recall, a, a movie about Sri Lanka winning the World Cup. So, you yeah. know, it's deserved of a movie. And cricket always struggles with movies because the actors need to be able to play yeah, the game. Yeah. And it's hard to do it's, that. It's but a hard one, yeah. Virash... Yeah. I think we did justice to this 96 World Cup. I, I, I think, so. but from your perspective, I can see that there's a lot of things that it's hard to cover. Uh, it's hard to cover a World Cup in just, you know, an episode or two episodes. It's hard. There's so many storylines. You could equally have done uh, two hours just on the final or on the build up to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. But we got a real good insight. I, I learned a lot yeah. today. I thought I did some research, but I learned... So- <laughs> Yeah, some of those stories about um, what was going on within the Sri Lankan cricket team, I hadn't heard before. And hopefully it was just as interesting for others as it was for me. So, Nah, but it's been a pleasure to be on. And um, it's just been great to kind of reminisce. And as a Sri Lankan, you know, I may not get this opportunity again. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Thanks to my guest, Virosh. And thanks to you all for listening. Remember to download whenever you get a chance. I'm telling you, I will not care if you download, delete, download, delete, because that means you listen to it twice. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week.